Welcome to Annasbrook Church. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Graham Hislop, empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annasbrook.co.nz for a service near you. You can grab a seat. It is so great to be together. I'm not really sure what to say and what needs to be said on the back of a moment like this today where we sing and, I mean, removing, of course, the egg tasting competition, which was just verging on brilliant and weird. And I think most, most humour is. But the power of it, and I'll never ever forget in 2001, sitting two thirds of the way back down on this side in this very room in a place of true desperation, where we'd been three years married. And I think, you know, it dawned on me that Rebecca had married a child at that point. But it wasn't just our marriage, it was my soul, my soul needing Christ. And on this very um, stage, on a screen, not quite as nice as that, picture of the cross. And I don't remember what the preacher was saying, but I remember what I was looking to. I was looking to the cross in desperation. Having even grown up in a religious Christian family, I was desperate, I was in need. It's the greatest thing, it's the greatest level of truth you can come to, not there's a greater truth, but in yourself to understand that you and I are in need. And so I don't want to have to repeat everything that has been said this morning, but I wanna let you know that it never gets old. It never, ever, 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 it changed my heart that day. And He finds ways to change my heart. I'm not sure, it seems on the weekly, but He's just that good. I'm overwhelmed and grateful in 2023, are you? I said, I'm overwhelmed and grateful, are you? Just pretend you are for a minute. (laughs) Jesus died, He was buried and He rose again after three days. Rebecca and I had it on our heart from very early on with our kids when we had children that they would all know the truth of Jesus. Well, the reason it was our greatest priority was because of what He'd done in our lives. We'd both um, gone astray as uh, mid-older teenagers But individually, Christ had found a way to bring us back to Him in a way that was so true. And so we would tell our kids in moments and times, and I've shared it before, but it's just so good. You know, it was Good Friday and we're eating lamb or something and we dish it and I say, okay, guys, like we try to turn moments into moments to learn about God. And I said, "Um, right, guys, um, what's, what's Easter all about? And they would have been like two, four, six, eight and 27 because uh, Ruby's always been a bit much more mature than the rest of us. But um, somehow, um, so I, I just said, you know, um, what, what's it all about? And one of them answers, oh, Jesus died for our sins. It's like, yep, that's right, awesome. And then I asked the follow-up, which was, and how did he die? And I remember it um, like, I don't think I'll ever forget it because as quick as a flash, Saskia, who was like about four, said, um, yeah, he was hit by a car. <laughs> She's a lad, that one. And uh, I said, what? Because the kids are all cracking up now. What, what did you say, Sask? And she said, yeah, Jesus was hit by a car. She was serious, totally serious. She said, because he died on the crossing. <laughs> I, think of the moment, I think of that moment so often because in many ways, the world is that ignorant to what took place on Golgotha's Hill that day. Sadly, church folks sometimes aren't much better either. But I want to take a moment for everybody. This, this thought today is not for just one group in the room. 
Jesus has a way, His Word of transcending all segments and fractures in society, all groups and subgroups to every person. If you've heard this before, may it be bread to your soul today. That there's 10 things that happened on the cross that cannot be ignored. Number one, this is the most foretold event ever predicted in human history. Dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of references in the Scriptures to our Saviour were made in the Old Testament. Over 28 specific verses about Him dying, about Him being buried and about Him being resurrected for the sins of the world. From Genesis, Leviticus, Isaiah, Jeremiah. In fact, there is no book in the Old Testament that does not reference or depict the life of Jesus Christ. Psalm 22 says that Jesus, while on the cross, actually utters the same words that David uttered, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What's important is this is the first time that Jesus, the Son of God, has ever uttered any other title for God other than Father. That when our sin came upon Him, it was my God. That the relationship had been lost. There's people in the room right now and you'd never dream of God being a Father to you. But Jesus makes dreams come true. He brings dreams to come true by His own power so we can be reconciled and we don't have to say, my God, my God, but we can call Him Abba, Father. Deuteronomy 21 says, this is Old Testament prophecy, cursed is the one who hangs on the tree. 1,500 years prior to His arrival, Moses was directed by God to make a pole with a snake on the top of it. They were travelling through the desert as a nation and they had been attacked by these vipers and these vipers were venomous. Yes, it's a type of serpent. And whenever Moses lifted the pole with a snake on it, the people who were bitten by these venomous vipers were saved. Sound familiar? Shadow upon shadow from eternity to human history, Jesus is the most anticipated arrival we have ever known. And He did it for you and He did it for me at the cross. Number two, Jesus was innocent and did not deserve to die. In Mark 15, Pilate, who was a ruling official at the time of Jesus' death, his crucifixion, knew something was not right. Jesus had been brought to him and he was doing everything he could to get Jesus off it. And this reminds us that Jesus' life was not taken from him. He gave up his life. It was actually Pilate's wife the night before had a vivid nightmare, a vivid nightmare about Jesus being innocent. And she went and told Pilate and she was so disturbed by it. And yet the innocent died for the ungodly. He never lied. He never sinned, not in deed, thought, motive or anything else. Jesus was pure and that's why they called Him the Lamb that was slain. Number three, Jesus' death was brutal and inhumane. Even before they nailed huge cast pins through His wrists and His ankles. I saw today on Stuff, there's an article, you can read it about crucifixion. The archaeologists are now finding evidence of Roman crucifixion. It was something they did often for the worst criminals. But he had already, before going to the cross, been whipped 39 times with the cat of nine tails. Porcelain pieces of ceramic were laden into leather straps. These projectiles were literally flung into Jesus' flesh and ripped out and flesh came out. It's been written that they could even see his ribs. He lost so much blood that he could not carry his own cross to Calvary. Someone had to carry it for him. And then they nailed him to the cross so that He would suffocate. We know that He gave up His spirit and He died. But the very one who created man was now placed at the mercy of their abuse. Number four, Jesus was placed between two thieves. In Luke's Gospel, it records that King of Glory 
Think about that. The King of glory from whom all things derive, you and I together, was placed on that cross and lifted up. The place He was lifted up was in the centre of two thieves. Heaven's best was now in the middle of society's worst. And this one thief on one side began to mock Him. Oh, you can't even save yourself. So much for your message, so much for what you claimed. But the other thief out of nowhere, and both of them had been proven to have stolen. And under the law, Roman law, they deserved death. But the other thief interrupts. He's innocent. He did nothing wrong. Then turning to Jesus in Luke 22, the thief says, Jesus, remember me hanging on the cross. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Jesus did, truly I say to you that today you will be with me in paradise. Never forget that about Jesus. He is not only willing and able to humbly enter our broken and distorted humanity, but He's done it before. (laughs) Nothing in your life is too messy for Him. He's not scared. He's willing. He wants to be an offering. He wants to be a help. He wants to be a solution. And never forget the words either. Remember me, Jesus. I'm not sure the day it will come where I pass from this life to the next. I don't know what day will be my last day. Tomorrow is not promised to any of us. But I pray I have the opportunity, like I do most days, to say these basic and simple words, remember me, Jesus. Remember me. So all I can hold on to is the fact that He'd think of me. Number five, Jesus became sin. This truth alone not only has the power to completely turn your life 180 degrees around, but also can disempower every limitation and every lie you have ever heard that you face in your life. One evangelist once said this, sin must be so awful, so terrible, so horrid if God sent His beloved Son to die for us. It's probably humanity's greatest um, fault is how little thought they give to the impact of sin. Romans 6 says that the wages or the end result of sin is death. And, And it's not just physical death. It's a spiritual death. It's far more sinister. It is far more grievous. It's a death that we don't understand when it comes to spiritual realities. But it also says that all have sinned in the book of Romans, every single one of us. I mean, that's the great lie of the 2020s, maybe the 20-somethings, the 1980s. I can't think of when it began, but that we're inherently good. Well, there's some good things about you. There's some great things about you. But if you were to stand spirit to spirit with holiness... If you were to stand in the presence of love, how would your love match up? If you stood in the presence of the greatest thinking, purest thoughts, how would your thoughts measure up? And then of course, with the most purest heart, how would your heart be? And we all know it requires God to actually challenge us to this fact. But I love the Gospel and I love Easter because in 2 Corinthians 5.21, this horrid and awful and sinister sin God made Him who had no sin to become sin for us. That horrid, that distortion, that grievous ingredient that we find in all of us. Jesus became it, being fully sinless. So that in Him, I've never heard anyone else say they can do this for us, that we might become the right standing or the innocence. That's what righteousness means. As a gift that is placed on your life, that is what you're meant to walk in every day of your life, that you are innocent and accepted by Jesus alone. He must really like you a lot to become the most awful, horrid and terrible thing humanity has ever known. But He does. 
Number six, Jesus died. I can't even begin to put into words what that means to me. And I was reflecting on Saturday that Jesus is dead. He's not dead now, but on that Saturday, He was dead. The horror of it, the silence of it, the despair, they didn't know what was about to happen. He died. I found myself in a $2 shop recently and I always regret it. (laughs) There's nothing good about it in any way. It was the end of a day, it was a Saturday. I was going to buy a hat for a dress up party we were going to. And uh, I have feelings about that as well. The owners were in discussions as I walked in with two girls. I reckon there are 11, 12, two of them. They'd been caught on camera taking items and changing price tickets. They'd locked the door. It was about 4.15. The, the owners had shut the automatic door so the girls couldn't go out and they were, which is illegal, but they were absolutely despairing. And now the girls are completely well in over their heads. So I go down watching this. I kind of go down to find a hat and came back and it's still going on. People are coming and going and they're letting people out by selection through the automatic door and then closing it for these two girls. Now looking through a little wallet with coins, I could hear the coins jangling. And, and I could tell these girls do not have the money. So it was only the five of us left in the shop, the two owners, the two girls and me. So I went up to the owners, the girls were standing right there and I said, what do they owe you? And they said, it's this, this, this and this and it's $16. So I said, I will pay it out of my wife's makeup account. <laughs> See how generous the spirit of giving is. <laughs> I didn't, but I did say, I'll pay it. Well, the owners totally changed their tune. No, you don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. It's for them. Kind of taking the righteous high ground. I understand the complexity of the situation, but I said, they can't pay it. And they've locked them in. So I said, I'm paying it. The girls' eyes are like saucers. I pay wave the $16. I said, you need to give me two receipts. They give me a GST receipt and the FPOS receipt. I go up to the girls because now my payment has purchased me a short speech. (laughs) One to one girl, one to the other. And this is roughly what I said. Girls, if you keep doing this, life will not turn out very well for you. I know it's hard, but you need to make better decisions and then life will be a little bit better for you. And then the girls walked out. Why? Because their debt was paid. Jesus died so that you could walk free. You have a debt you cannot pay. Jesus paid it with you in mind. Number seven, Jesus was buried. Matthew 27, going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body and Pilate ordered, this is not his, his earthly father, Joseph, this is a disciple. And Pilate ordered that the body be given. Joseph took the body and he wrapped it in a clean cloth and he placed it in a new tomb that he had cut out of rock. And in the stone in the front of the entrance, the tomb, and he went away, putting Jesus in the tomb. When Joseph put Jesus' body in that tomb, he placed a stone over it. It was the reverse moment of Jesus' birth. People think about the trough that was in the stable when Jesus was born. About We had images growing up in New Zealand of a wooden um, trough, like a little cradle. It wasn't. Do your homework and you'll find that it was actually a trough made of stone that was hewn. It was carved out of a rock. And what did Mary do? Wrapped the baby Jesus in cloth and put him in a stone. He was born to die. All He came to do was die for you and me. He had no plan B. 
Right from his very first breath, destiny was set. And this is the thought today as they buried him when he died on the cross. If God buried Jesus, how will he not also bury your past? Bury your sin, bury your bitterness, bury every chain that holds you back. There's people in the room today and you're bound by addiction. Jesus, His death and His burial breaks the strongholds. I don't care if it's vape. I don't care if it's gambling. I don't care if it's you losing your cool with your family and you always feel guilty afterwards. The patterns that all hold us all back, all of us back, the death and the burial of Jesus Christ has power to set us free. Where would we be without the cross today? In Ephesians, it says that Jesus went into the depths of hell while He was dead. While he was buried and he took the keys to death and grave, which is why he could say in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth. He had authority in heaven. He was God's best. But now on earth, because of what he did, all authority. So if you're looking for freedom, if you're looking for who has the keys to set you free, all authority has been given on heaven and on earth to Jesus Christ because he was buried for our sins. Number eight, Jesus rose again. Matthew 28, after the Sabbath, Ruby Ritter, at dawn, first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. I love that. They're so bothered, so disturbed. The world's been turned upside down and yet still searching. And there was an angel that came down from heaven. And he literally, there was after an earthquake, the angel rolled away the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, clothes as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook him, they became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, don't be afraid. It's <laughs> easier said than done. For I know that you are looking for Jesus. How many people here are looking for Jesus and never knew it? I'm talking to church people as well. You're done with religion. You're done with the old. You're done with the COVID anyway. <laughs> and it goes on to say, he was crucified. Don't like, don't be afraid, but He is not here. Go quickly tell your disciples, He's risen from the dead. He's gone ahead of you to Galilee and there you will see Him. We see in other passages that He appears to over 120 people for over 40 days, some 50 days. He has is, he is proven. I know what people say. They're like, oh yeah, everyone made up the story. Really? You know that what the Roman soldiers were doing to people who confessed faith in Jesus at that time? They were crucifying them as well. If you've been found out to have faith in Jesus, they will crucify you. So who's gonna make up a story that's gonna send them to the cross? 120 people? If this is all a joke, at least one person in the group's gonna go, we're joking. It's a lull. No, they stuck by their story and history books outside of even the Bible record a Messiah figure claiming to be raised from the dead and doing proofs and evidences and miracles because of it. Let me tell you this. When Jesus rose again, God proved He was the Messiah. When Jesus rose again, He had won the battle. When Jesus rose again, He brought resurrection. I think this is the part you need to remember. When Jesus rose up out of the grave, He was raised up. He brought resurrection life with Him. It was not in the earth, it was in Him, but it was not in the earth until that moment. <laughs> and now look, it's everywhere. <laughs> it's everywhere, it's everywhere. If, he, if, if God can raise up Jesus from the dead, how can He not raise up your hopes? How can He not raise up your dreams? How can He not raise up your soul? I, I, wanna, I wanna speak to somebody right now and you've got trouble at home. 
How can He not raise up your family? God is a miracle working God that can bring peace to relationships and to families. And I don't know what's going on right now for you, but let me tell you that He can do it because He has risen from the grave. Number nine, He gave us a spirit. It's part of the Easter story that not, isn't talked about much and it's missing. In my former book, Theophilus, the Hippopotamus, <clears throat> that's the Graham version. I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach in the day He was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit. So he's saying after the death of Jesus, I've written about that. I've recorded it just for Theophilus. I don't know if he thought it was gonna get out. After his suffering, that's what the cross was, he presented him to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God on one occasion while he was eating with them. Just picture it, Jesus resurrected, having a meal. Don't know what you're having for dinner, but just picture him there with you tonight, KFC. Do, <laughs> see, I told you I sin all the time. <laughs> Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John was baptised with water, but in a few days you're going to be baptised with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that. And you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be able to bear my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria in 2023, a guy in a weird white jacket in New Zealand will be a witness to it too. How? Because of the Holy Spirit. Consider how helpless sin had made us. Doesn't this prove the power of the cross? That in that state, after He paid the price, He now gives us His same Spirit. I'm excited. Loud noises. Why am I excited? Because life seems to limit and constrain and hold us back, but the Spirit gives life. <laughs> Romans 8, 11, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. I wanna stir some of you up today that as much as Easter is part of, you know, hot cross buns and even a death on a cross, He's giving us power, power to live, power to overcome. Man. And number 10, on the cross, it was confirmed that heaven is now our home. There's a song, a beautiful song as a child I learned. Heaven is a wonderful place filled with glory and grace. I'm gonna see my Saviour's face. Heaven is a wonderful place. Heaven is. And then what they do with the song is speed it up. They just give us a cup of recordial halfway through. And it would... <laughs> In Psalm 1611, it says that there are pleasures and joy in that paradise. I want you to listen to this now. Every colour is brighter. Music team can come. Every joy is deeper. I want you to listen to this. I wrote it. I thought it was quite profound. Love isn't lo like love down here in heaven. The closest you have ever come to it is but a drop in the ocean. Jesus said it this way. All ecstasies and intimacies will be with our God. Heaven on this earth is a moment, even knowing Him is like heaven on earth, but you haven't seen anything yet. How wonderful, how beautiful. But who gets into heaven? Who may pass its gates? Spurgeon, he reminded us when he preached Revelation 21, 27, that nothing impure will ever enter it nor anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only, this is the caveat, those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. That Lamb is Jesus, and He's keeping a detailed record book of those who have come to His cross and accepted His gift.
That's it. You don't have to be super Christian. You don't have to have it all together. You don't even have to memorise all of the Bible. You don't have to starve yourself. You don't have to be flogged and beaten. Jesus has done that for us. All you need to do is come to the cross and accept His gift. Then your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life and you are considered pure. That's it. Romans 10 goes even further on the simplicity. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, meaning a redeeming God, and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. I mean, the resurrection is so powerful that if we just believe it, (laughs) we are not only gonna be saved here and now, but heaven is our home forever. By openly saying that, let me tell you today that hell is the very opposite of heaven and is the very opposite of God. Johnny Carson, he was a famous um, talkback host in the 1970s, 80s. He was once asked Billy Graham in a TV interview to millions of Americans and around the world, what happens after this life? Billy Graham couldn't answer what the moments just after death might be. But with millions watching, he said this, he knew that we will either be with God forever or we won't. In a, in a world of unlimited options, choices, by this from that website, competing one, that that, get it delivered to your door. Seems strange to me that once we come to the end of our life, there is only one simple choice. Seems so limited. Maybe that's why Jesus said narrow is the way that leads to life. Hell, this is really important, is where God is not. And God is love. And God is joy. And God is peace. Hell is everything that is devoid of God and it was never intended for man. But that was the great deception. Adam and Eve, when they by pride rejected God, they didn't realise that it was a one-way ticket to hell because that's what happened. We entered on that path. But why did Jesus come? Why did He do everything we've talked about today? Because He never wants to be separated from you. Isn't it crazy to think that Jesus died for the sins of people who will end up rejecting Him? He felt that. He experienced that. That was real to Him. And He did it for the sole chance that someone would come to the cross. And some of you are in hell right now, void of love, void of peace, void of meaning. It's hard for you to understand what's going on. What is the meaning of life? Why don't you look to Jesus? No, seriously, why don't you look to Jesus? Why is it that you look in every single place but that? God is concerned for your soul, that you need not be separated from Him either here or when you die. Anyone who puts their faith in Christ, He will save completely and He will present you blameless before God <laughs> by grace. We're gonna, you're gonna be presented because of your coming to the cross, your faith in Christ. You're gonna be presented blameless before God and we're not, but because our faith makes us righteous. Have you got that today? You can't do this. You can't earn this. You can't buy this. So what will you do with the cross? Tomorrow is not promised to any of us. I'm speaking to um, church people as well right now. What will you do with the cross? You might be able to say what you have done, but what are you doing with the cross today? Do you know the resurrection life? Are you living in peace? About the beautiful fruit of the Spirit spoken about in Galatians, love, joy, 
peace, patience, hard with any number of children you have. (laughs) This is what the Spirit of God does in us. We don't do it ourselves. Today is the acceptable day of salvation. If you hear His voice, don't harden your heart. Receive His forgiveness. Accept His love for you. Each one of us need to come to the cross afresh. Every single, we need to cling to the cross. I know theologically He's risen. He's not there anymore. I understand that. But Paul said this, he was the greatest thinker, the greatest theologian and the most brilliantly educated man. He said, I would want to know nothing but Christ crucified because the power of it to change the human heart. Would you come to the cross today? Would you come to the open arms of the Saviour? Would you come despite how you feel? I bet you're tempted to think, yeah, I'll come one day when I've got it all together, when I've solved all my problems. Oh yeah, well, that was a good idea, wasn't it? That Jesus sent His Son to die so that you could say, I'll sort it out one day. You can't sort it out. It's impossible to sort it out. Only Christ could do this for us. Well, what happens when I come to the cross? Well, when you put your faith, like Romans 10 said, 10 says, and say that Jesus is indeed God. God proved that He was the Messiah. And I believe in my heart that He's been raised from the dead. He comes alive in your heart. It's real. I can tell you moment after moment after moment, it is real in my life. I will stake my entire life on it. It's all I've ever known to be true in this world. And then to have a relationship with God. Things don't necessarily, I don't, my, my haircut didn't change. My address didn't necessarily change, although I might have got rid of my Nirvana t-shirt, can't remember. They're coming back in now. You know, you don't suddenly drive a different car. It's, we sung it today, it's what happens in here. If we just come to the cross. Would you come to the cross today? Would you come to Jesus? And, and I don't just mean to Jesus randomly. I'm talking about to the cross. That you will know He has paid the debt His blood has been poured out and He was risen again for you. There is nothing you can do to make Him love you more. And there is nothing you can do that will make Him love you less. You simply need to come. Apparently in the Chinese language, I don't know if it's Cantonese or Mandarin, but the word come to to go towards is actually depicted with icons, three icons of men on a cross, an object on a cross. He invites us all today. He invites every single one of us. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood. Thank you, Jesus. So I wanna pray today. I wanna give an opportunity for people to come, to come to the cross, to come to Jesus, to His saving power, the payment He paid, to receive eternal life from Him. I can't give it to you. I could only ever dream to be a conduit, but it is Him and Him alone that gives eternal life. And I wanna pray a prayer. I wanna pray for you and I wanna lead you in a prayer. A moment of time to say, Jesus, I come to the cross. Some of you here, you may even feel like you publicly need to respond. That you actually need to get out from your seat and come and stand up the front. Oh. What will people think of me? They only think of themselves, don't worry. But actually to draw a line in the sand and say, I publicly come to Jesus. I need Him. 
I, I must receive today His grace and His love in my life. So I'm gonna ask everybody right now to close your eyes. Father, I thank You right now for the power of Your Gospel. It's strong, Lord, but we need that. We need You. Take over, Lord. Holy Spirit, I just thank You for every heart and every life in this place. Thank You, Jesus, for loving the world so much that You gave. I ask You to move powerfully right now in the hearts of people. In Jesus' Name, Amen. I'm gonna do something different. I want everyone to stand to your feet, if you would. I want you to just leave the lights um, up a little. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info at or visit our website, 